What a joy to take the Lord's Supper with you all this morning. I invite you to turn with me to Matthew 22. And as you do that, I'm going to celebrate some wins. Is it okay if I do that? I'm going to celebrate some wins of what God's been doing in this amazing church family. I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. Last week, we put out the call. We put out the bat signal, as it were, and we asked our church family, would you step up? Would you consider helping us serve these young ones so we can expand our ministry to the next generation so that families who come and visit on a Sunday morning can have a place for every person in their family to connect with God on their level? And we had over 20 people show up to the children's ministry training lunch, right? Can we thank God for that and and praise the Lord? I don't know about you guys, but getting over 20 people to a children's ministry training, I mean, that's that's unheard of at a big church, okay? So for our church, I'm thrilled. That means our people are engaging. They want to serve. We also want to celebrate the wins. Our, our West small group has been growing and reaching more people. One of our, our weeks recently, we had 18 people there in our living room. And I hear the East group hit a high this semester with 13 people, new people who need to know the word who need gospel community, who need prayer, and they're getting it. Thanks to you all being faithful to pursue Jesus and invite others in. And then we had a fantastic Covenant Sunday on January 28th where we committed to be a church family. Commit to love God, commit to love one another, commit to make disciples in North Sarasota. And there's more in the future. I can't wait to see where God leads us for our landing site, our site of worship. Can't wait to see what he does with our additional children's class and the children who will be there. Can't wait to see what he does with our Hands of Hope ministry and the generous contributions of the church. But I'm really excited, most of all, this morning as we open up the word. We have a fresh word from the Lord this morning because we have the living word of God in our hands. And what is the point of all of this? What is the point of of the word? The point of our our sermons and our worship services and our, our meager, meager offerings to the Lord? Well, Jesus is going to tell us because we have been trying to be people of the word. At least that's what we're emphasizing. And what is the point of all of this? Last week, Pastor Dennis showed us all the different genres from the Bible. And what does the Bible teach us from Psalm 119? Uh, You'll see from that list of uh, books and themes, there's a lot there. You're going to spend the rest of your life trying to get to know God through his word. It's a treasure. But what's the point? Jesus tells us, above all, there's one thing, kind of two, but one thing, and on it, everything hangs in the balance. So let's read Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40, to see what is the end of these things. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, their political rivals in the, in the Jewish court, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, Asked Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, depend all the law and the prophets. Well, Jesus really helps us boil everything down there, doesn't he? He boils everything in the Christian faith and and all of our religious activities and the worship services and the small groups and your personal Bible reading 
at the end of the day, what's the greatest thing we need to take away? What's the greatest thing that God wants from us? From Genesis to Revelation, it's clear. To be people of the word, we must love God and love others. You really call yourself a follower of Jesus or a person of the word or someone who understands the biblical faith. It's someone who loves God and loves others. You, I, you might not be able to see from this far away, but I've got a lot of nicks on my fingers this morning. And I've got, I've got some remnants of some sticky residue on my fingers and some chipped fingernails because I did something on Friday I don't normally do, and that was to hang a new door in our garage. Tony, I finally did it, okay? Tony gave, Tony gave me some advice on that. <laughs> Your pastor can do more than talk, okay? Just saying. But uh, this door has been rotted, and for two years we've lived in this house, and this door needs replacing. Finally did it. And David, who's not here today, he, he, I probably wore him out, honestly. It was an all-day project. This is new for me, but one thing I know about the door if it's not hanging right, it's not leveled, and if the sides of the door are not flush against the wall, and if the foundation is not level, the door will not open and close properly. So forget about putting the trim pieces on and painting it and installing the doorknob. None of it's going to line up if it's not hung properly, which might explain why it took us a good part of the day to get it in there. Right? It takes a good foundation. Jesus says everything in the word is important, but it all hangs on something. And that is the love of God and the love of our neighbors. Because Jesus is the word. He doesn't need to talk because he's bored. He speaks because we need to hear. We need this message. This message is life in and of itself. And, and as we read and we interact with the living God and we hear from him and we see things clearly and we walk in his ways, there will be a change in our heart. There has to be. To truly see God as the glorious being he is is to walk away a different person. One commentator says, these two commandments are the greatest because all others flow from them. Indeed, the whole Old Testament hangs on them. In, in other words, all other commandments are summed up in these. So when you're reading through some of those laws in the Old Testament, why does it matter how they clean the bowl when they offer? Why does it matter if the priests wash their hands? Why does it matter to rest on the Sabbath day? All of these laws, it was so that you could properly relate to the living God, who is love, but he is also holy. But he's creating a way, a medium, where you can have a personal relationship with him. Now, Jesus is talking to the religious leaders, the religious leaders who oppose him because he's a threat to their power, and he claims to be God. And they reject that, even though they see with their eyes the miracles from his own hand. So they're trying to test him. I can just see this because it happens in our politics all the time. The Republicans and the Democrats. Can you believe so-and-so said this? And then you find out the reporter asked them a leading question to try to trip them up. And then they write a whole article saying that they said this. And when you get to the bottom of the article, it's like, I'm not sure they actually said that. But clearly that's the article you wanted to write. This is what the Pharisees are doing. What's the greatest commandment in the Old Testament? Whatever he says, we're going to bash him because he didn't say all the others. You know, it's, it's, there's no way Jesus can get out of this, right? Jesus, with no hesitation, with no waffling, 
No, uh, now don't misquote me on this. It's as clear as day. Everything hangs on loving God and loving neighbors. And he quotes Deuteronomy 6, which every faithful Jew would know, the Shema. Uh, you, you just say that one word, Shema, and they can spout it out today. I, I, I used to know this pretty well in Hebrew, and if I wanted to impress you this morning, I would try to say it, but I'm just going to say it in English. Okay, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you shall be on your heart. And it's actually Leviticus 19.18 that Jesus tags onto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On this hangs all the law and the prophet. So whether you're here this morning and you're a Bible scholar, You've had, you've had that Bible in your hands. I mean, it's hardly ever out of your hands. And you know so much facts about the Bible. This morning, this word is a challenge to you. Does everything really hang in your life on the love of God and the love of others? Maybe you're here this morning and you're curious. You're trying to learn more about the Bible and discover who is this God and does he really love me? And can I trust him? And can I walk in his ways? And I'm not sure what all these Bible themes mean. Here's an easy and accessible point for you. You got to get this. The point of all of this is to love God and love others. Maybe you're beaten and battered this morning as you come in and you sit and you listen and you're like, what's the point? I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and haven't got anywhere. There's a God who loves you. And above all else, he wants that loving relationship. And he leads you to him. He shows you the way. So firstly, we got to love God with devotion. I believe that's on your notes there. Or you could use the word completely. Love God with devotion. Really? Are you sure? That's what God wants? Not my money, first and foremost? Uh, not me to be religious or, or come to a service? First and foremost, God wants a relationship with you. This is the God of all the universe. So we're clear. There's only one true living God. This is the God who says in Psalm 50 verse 12, if I were hungry, you would not know about it. I wouldn't tell you because the world and its fullness are mine. God doesn't need a thing. He certainly doesn't need you. But listen to me, he created you. God makes no mistakes. God wants a relationship even with you. Yes, you're broken, messed up self, and me too. This is how good our God is. This is how loving and kind he is. He is complete, and yet he chooses relationship. Because in the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have relationship and love and unity. So what is love? Valentine's Day is coming up on Wednesday, so we, we got to get this down. And guys, if you forgot and you got that special gal, you know, Chocolates and, and uh, cards usually go pretty far. Handwritten notes, that's, that's even better, right? But if you watch a movie today, they make it out like love is just a feeling. It's an emotion. I feel in love with this person. Or the movies that really drive me crazy is when they can't figure it out, you know? You spend this whole movie like, will they? Won't they? I don't know. What do I feel in that moment? Like, oh, for goodness sakes, like, I want to shut this movie off because I love my wife. We watch it all the way to the end, right? And usually there's, there's some kind of resolution there. Is, okay, yes. Is love actually a feeling or mainly a feeling? Is it an emotion? 
No, Jesus gives us clarity here on what it actually is. He says, love me with all your heart, with all your soul, or heart and soul, and your mind. So what he's doing here is he's not breaking you down into three segments. It's like, it's like three meters that you have to keep, you know, three plates spinning at all times. Am I loving God with all my mind? Am I loving with all my heart? He's saying with your whole body, are you devoted to God? Are you devoted to him? Not, are you perfect? Not, are you feeling it today? But at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, I want to go with Jesus. I, I, I'll do what Jesus says, even when it goes against my feelings. But oftentimes it includes our feelings, it, whether it's emotional, volitional, physical, or cognitive. Craig Blomberg says, this is the kind of love that God is seeking. He wants all of us, not just part of us. And he made us to know him and love him forever. So when I say love and love God, I want us to be thinking in that terms of devotion. My life is tuned towards God. I'm going with God. I'm following Jesus. And then I was reflecting on our mission statement. Does anything stick out to you there? Fully devote ourselves to Jesus. You could just scribble that out. Don't. That's a nice banner. You could scribble that and you could say, our mission is to fully love God. Fully love Jesus and to love others as ourselves. It's the same thing. This is what we're all about. This is what it all comes down to. Now, this, tonight we have this little thing on TV called the Super Bowl. You guys probably haven't heard of it. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of commercials that you might find interesting. A little bit of football happens as well. Um, but tonight the Chiefs play the 49ers. It's a big deal. My son really likes the Chiefs. So if they win, I guess... I guess that's that's a good thing. We'll be happy for him. But if the 49ers win, mom and dad might be a little bit more happy about that. So we'll we'll see what happens. But I had this thought. These fans are so devoted. How much money are they spending to go to this game? And the colors and the jerseys and the ridiculous wear, attire that they put on. Uh, what What do they have to go through to get to that game or to have the perfect Super Bowl spread in the house how ridiculous would it be after all of that money that's spent you have the garb on and you get to the game and you get there and then right when you walk in the gate you decide you know what i'm gonna start cheering for the 49ers or 49ers saying you know i'm gonna start cheering for the chiefs how likely is that to happen not at all right at least with the money that you put in, you'll switch teams at the end of the game if your team loses, okay? But you're not going to switch your devotion at the beginning. How much crazier is it that that faithful, loving God, who's a good father, made us, made us to know him and love him, gave us life and breath, gave us family, gave us the ability to work, gave us paradise and a perfect world, to exercise dominion over and go and and make a difference and change the world. And he just gave him one rule. Don't eat from that tree. The only stipulation he put on this relationship, because the relationship has to have boundaries. One boundary. Don't eat from that one tree. And did Adam and Eve stay away from the tree? No, they didn't. So the devotion to God broken 
I'm now devoted to something that I think is better. My friends, we have inherited this rebellious DNA. We are born having already broken the first commandment from Exodus 20. You shall have no other gods before me. But I like being God of my life. And that's why we're born sinners and in rebellion against God. It's in our DNA. And that's also why we see in our society the murders, the thefts, kidnappings, diseases, poverty, divorce. When there's division in the soul, it leads to division everywhere else. Because we need to get back to what we were made for, to love God. God's certainly devoted to us. Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us. Or let's replace that word. For God, show, for God shows his devotion to us in that while we were still sinners, still me, still broken, still a rebel, Christ died for us. All of us, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not just part of you, not just you on a good day. All of you on your worst day. That's the unconditional love of our Father. That's our God. And Jesus so loved us and was so devoted. He loved the Father perfectly to keep the law perfectly. He loved selflessly, even giving his time and attention to the needy, right? He loved his enemies. He loved and honored his earthly father and his earthly mother. He loved with all that he was even when he died the brutal death on the cross. And with his final breaths, he asked and breathed out forgiveness on his killers. Who loves like that? I've only met one person with that kind of love. And his name is Jesus. And he has become my Lord and Savior because God opened my eyes to the fact that I was broken destitute and in desperate need of his healing love. And I received Jesus and he saved me. And the great thing is he doesn't just save you from the lake of fire and, and hell, and, but he does that for those who put their faith in Christ, but he also saves us to something. He puts his fullest Holy Spirit inside of us, the presence of God inside of the believer. He held nothing back so we can grow in our devotion to Christ. We can become more like Christ and less like our old self. Now, how many of us would say this journey has been a lot slower and a lot more frustrating than I would like? Every single one of us. But you know what? God is still just as devoted to you today as he was when you were still in rebellion and he died for you. That hasn't changed. But we can grow in our devotion and our love for God because we have him inside of us. So what gets your number one devotion today? What gets your attention? Where do you spend the most time? Where do you, what do you talk about the most? If I were to ask your coworker or your family or your friends or people who know you pretty well, what would they say you're devoted to? Because I know we would say, well, I'm a Christian. I love God. Of course, I love God the most. But if we use that word devotion, what are we devoted to the most? So I just wrote down some, uh, you know, Jerry. I don't think there's a Jerry in here. Jerry devotes himself to his work with all his heart. He keeps his customers happy. He has good reviews on Angie's list. 
Jerry's devoted to the job. Ava. Ava loves her kids more than anything else in heaven and on earth. She gives her soul to those kids. Oliver, he thinks about the beach more than anything else. He's devoted to the life of surf. Whatever it is, even if it's a good thing, if that gets our number one devotion, what is it? It's an idol. It's, it's our God, little g, and God says there can be no other gods before him. So whatever we're devoted to the most this morning, let's think on that. If you have to ask someone who knows you well afterwards, say, I don't know what others would say. Ask them and give them permission to step on your toes if they need to. No other idols, no divided affection, loving God with all that we are. So Christ calls us to. Secondly, he says, love others selflessly, which means we need to love others like Christ. Now to say the second is like unto it, he is saying that this commandment is not less important than loving God. But of course, you have to know the love of God to be able to love others. It, it's like there's a vertical dimension. Once you experience the love of God, my heart has been opened up to my creator, my father, to sustainer. I have a whole new relationship now, horizontally, that affects everything else. You could even look at the cross as a good illustration of that, right? There's the vertical and the horizontal. It's all God's love. You can't just separate one from the other. It's like unto the great commandment. Because if the door is framed properly, oh, okay, now it works. Now it can benefit others. I can use my life for relationship, for love. Now Jesus does not tell us to love others with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is reserved for God. So we can't put people in the place of God. Be careful with that. But because we know God's love, we can selflessly love others with all of us, right? Love requires relationship. I want you, if you can, hold your place and turn back to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. This is before Adam and Eve sinned, before they sinned. Yet at this point, God had just created Adam as the first human, had not yet created Eve. Those that are able to turn, this is the second chapter of the whole Bible, Genesis 2, verse 18. I want you to read this with me, make sure I'm seeing this correctly. God says, it is not good for man to be, that next word, alone. Wait a minute, this is before the fall. Sin has not yet entered the world, and yet God said, something is not good. What is that? Adam doesn't have one of his own kind to relate to and to love. So this isn't like God made a mistake. He's pointing out the fact we need relationship and he's going to create another human being so there can be love in the human race. Yes, love between God and Adam, but now love between Adam and another. So he created Eve. And the human race came about that. Friends, loneliness is a major part of the human experience. But it is not good, and that is not what we were made for. One of the blessings of seeing us walk by faith and plant this church is to see genuine relationships formed. People who have really nothing more than Jesus in common, 
and, and you keep coming to church and, and then you made some friends, you got connected to a small group. And in that little way, you can see God's goodness to you. You are not alone. You have people who are devoted to God and will love you. And some people say, well, love is not thinking of yourself at all. I thought about that. I'm not sure that's true. I think love has to consider that in order to serve this person, I'm putting myself at a disadvantage. This is going to take time. This is going to cost me money. I'm going to have to rearrange my schedule for this. We have to acknowledge that. Otherwise, if you say, oh, none of that, none of that matters, I'm just, it, it makes it seem like it's not love. Because love requires sacrifice. So I have to know this is going to cost me time. This is going to cost me money, materials, mental energy. And yet I love you. I'm going to do it. Self-sacrifice. Didn't Jesus pray in the garden? Father, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me. Talking about the cup of the Father's wrath that's going to be poured out on Jesus for your sin and mine. So that anyway, can you pass this from me? Yet not my will, but yours be done. It's going to cost me. It's going to cost me every drop of blood I have. For my people, I'm ready to pay. Selfless love. So that we have relationships so that we can show that love to others. We can wrap our lives around the needs of others and their cares and their concerns. And the greatest need that our generation has is their lostness and their need of a savior, which is why Jesus has already told us what we need to be doing. Go and make disciples. Go share the love that's been shared with you because people are alone. People are lost. People are dying without a savior. They don't know true love. Sure, they're, they're trying marriage out. Sure, they're trying to start a family. But at the end of their life, they still don't know the love of our Heavenly Father. Great commandment love leads to great commission living. You go hand in hand. If I really love God, love others. We live out the mission of God. Jesus says, this is how people will know you're my disciples by how you love one another. How you live your life, how you pour into others, you show that love, you lay down your needs for the good of another. I'm not saying you let people walk all over you. I'm not saying you don't have boundaries. Every good relationship has boundaries. But what I am saying is we consider the need will cost me something, but if I'm able to, that's what Jesus would do, right? He would. He would love. I can think of so many examples in my life of people who have chosen to care for me, chosen to love me. They were devoted to seeing Christ's fullest work in my life. I'm thinking of my parents. I'm thinking of Sunday school teachers growing up, Christian leaders, pastors, deacons, camp workers, seminary professors. And we've been to a number of churches over our life. I've, I've served in pastoral ministry in numerous churches, and every single one, people have been committed to showing me Christ. I got to tell you, my, my wife, <laughs> I don't know how she does it. This woman has devoted her life to pointing me to Jesus. And it's a beautiful gift. I'm thankful for that. Happy Valentine's Day, love. It's a little bit early, but we need 
people to love us, and we need to love others the way Jesus has loved us. So as we think through an application, I guess connect with people and love them. Practically speaking, hey, we try to create rhythms for this. This is why to us, small group is such a big deal. If you can't make small group, then get in a small group of disciples so you're in the word together. You're sharpening each other. What are you learning? Where are you growing? Have someone who has permission to step on your toes and challenge your thinking, challenge your, your, your walk with Jesus, or, or, hey, I've seen an idol appear in your life. I know it's scary to give someone that kind of access to your heart, but if this is for Jesus and we're fully devoted to him, then I need that. I, I should want that. I should be willing to listen. Before you tell your story or you know, someone sharing about their hurt from this past week, and you're, you're automatically thinking, oh, yeah, well, let me tell you what happened to me a month ago. Mm. We all think that. But love would say, I think the best thing right now is to let this person share their story. And I just tell them I love you. I'm sorry you're going through that. Just, I'm going to be here for you. What, what do you need? Do you need anything? Can I do anything more than pray for you or encourage you? Some of us, we need to be able to forgive somebody. Jesus tells us in Matthew 18, 35, a big way we love others, we forgive our brothers and sisters from the heart. Come on. Can't be fake. It needs to be something we be able to let go and give to God. Maybe, maybe God would call you to say, hey, if relationships are so important, I need, I need to commit somewhere. I need to commit to a local church, which means a body of believers that I'm loving, that I'm serving. I'm invested in their lives. They're invested in me. A lot of people, they just change churches every year. Every year, different church. Well, they got this program. They got this thing going on. I like their music better. But where's the relationship? Is this just a business transaction or is this a family where we love? Maybe that's what God's calling you to. Maybe God's calling you to serve. We need greeters at the door who makes every single guest feel like you just walked into Disney World, but better. <laughs> All right? This is God's family. You are loved and welcomed here. Maybe it's serving a good news club. However God calls you to love others, that is our calling. And thirdly and finally, I want us to consider this, and we'll be done. We need to be able to love God with all that we are, but recognize that I can love him at a greater and deeper capacity. I can love others more sincerely. That's a process of our growth as believers, if you are, in fact, in Christ. Because he says, love others as yourself. And we all have our limitations, right? And we're all not, a far, not as far along in our spiritual journey as, uh, as we would like, right? 1 Peter 1.22 tells us, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere Brotherly, love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. And I honestly say that my love's always pure, always sincere, loving to the max. If I really know who I am and God has accepted me as much as he says that he has in Jesus Christ, then I understand I am free to pursue Jesus and to grow 
in my capacity to love. Think of it this way. When you first get a smartphone, it charges to 100%, right? What happens after you've had it for a year or two? Still charges to 100%, right? But does it last as long as it used to? Never. It'll run out of battery in like two hours. You got to keep that puppy charged throughout the day, but you know how expensive smartphones are, so you keep it around and you just keep charging it. Friends, we have a soul. We are mortal beings. So we have a body. And we have a capacity limit to how we're able to serve the Lord. The question is, how much of a capacity of your life does he have right now? Oh, I'm giving him 100%. Then, then why are we draining halfway through the day? How come we last till dinner time and then, then our kid just steps on our nerve for the ninth time and then we lose it? And he got to grow my capacity. See, humans, uh, as one author said, Peter Scazzaro, he said, humans are like icebergs. We only see the top 15%. And that's usually pretty good for us. Things are good on the surface. We're able to function. We're able to love God. But it's that underlying 85% that'll get you. Because, see, that's where the deepest beliefs and values of our life are. That's where our, our limits are our assumptions, the way we behave, why we do what we do, oftentimes that's more because of what we've learned from others rather than what we've learned from Christ. So I want you to think right now about that 85% that's below the surface. We all have it. Don't, don't tell me you're 100% above the surface. You're not. If you were, you'd be in heaven with Jesus right now. But think about 85%. Are there some hurts from your past that are hindering the way that you can clearly see Jesus. The Bible gives us that clear view. But from our experience and our hurt, we have a limited capacity for understanding. Maybe you're here this morning and you did not have a good father. You didn't have a good, good father. In fact, you hear the word father and it, it hurts. It hits you. That's the capacity you have for understanding God. I would just let you know lovingly it doesn't have to stay that way. You can relearn what a good father is by looking to our God. There are some deep hurts that need to be purified out, some assumptions that need to be undone, some issues that need resolution, and it will take work and it will take time. But uh, one theologian said, we have a great need for Christ, but we have a great Christ for our need. So we can open up about those things and in an appropriate setting, we can let the word counsel us. Which leads me to, to share something with you. This is a ministry of our church that we don't talk about much because it's really, it's usually when people are hitting the, the red button that, that we tell them, you know, we do have a, a licensed biblical counselor on our pastoral team. Pastor Dennis has gone through much training and has done marriage counseling with, uh, with Chris as well, uh, or individually, helping a couple, helping a person work through those deep hurts and addressing them from the word of God. Now, if we're talking about trauma-informed counseling, triggers uh, psychologically or, 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 or physically or mentally or emotionally, 
friends, we have resources in the community we want to connect you to. People who are skilled at helping you unpack those hurts and letting the grace of Christ come in and renovate. You don't have to suffer alone. You don't have to operate at just 15% your whole life. Christ said, I came that you would have an abundant life. The path to healing starts now. When you know the love of God, we can love God with all that we are and love others as ourselves. I'm going to invite Alexis to come up, give us some closing application thoughts. And I'd like to pray over our church. I want to pray over you if I can. Pray a prayer of blessing and to pray a prayer that God would help us to put these things into practice. Do you have that abundant life that Jesus is talking about? Are there some ways that we're thinking that we need Christ to rewire our brain, to rewire our habits, to let his grace in and change us? Because I think there's a lot of Christian married couples around. We're settling for good. Well, we could be great. It could be that great commandment love. There's a lot of churches who are good, but not doing great. A lot of Christian leaders who are doing good, but not great. A lot of singles doing a lot for the Lord, but, but their love is lacking. Some parents who would describe their family life as, well, it's okay, it's decent, but it's not great. Let's open our capacity to the renovating work of, of God. And I'm going to suggest three points, just like Jesus says, mind, soul, strength. So with our mind, why don't we approach the word of God differently than we're used to? Maybe your Bible reading plan has reached its, has run its course. You, you've grown as much as you could in that devotional you're working through. Maybe it's time to, to get out some meat, go through a book of the Bible. Or learn how to interpret and read and study the Bible for all that it's worth. And open up your mind through prayer to knowing the richness of God's grace through his word. Maybe we need to approach Sunday morning differently. Instead of just showing up, like, all right, I'm ready for worship. Maybe as you drive here, or even before you have your first cup of coffee or breakfast, you are praying, you're saying, God, this is your morning. I want to be open to you. We open to your voice. I want my mind focused on you. I want to love you with my whole mind. I don't want it to wander even for more than a second during the worship service and the message. God, open my mind. Pray for our church before church that the spirit would move here. Bring a pen and take notes. See what God opens for your mind. What about our soul? Instead of being fine, and saying I'm fine when I'm not, and sugarcoating issues, instead of shutting people out or hit, holding back our love because we're trying to learn how to love, it's okay to say, I'm done being alone. I need a family to walk with me through this. I need understanding. I need resources that I'm not able to tap into myself. That's not called being a problem. It's called being human. We all need it. 1 John 4.18 tells us there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. The fear will be driven out as we learn to love. What about strength? Some of us, our health could be better. Do you want to live a shorter life? 
and eat everything that you want? Or do you want to live as many days as that God has for you and have your life fulfilled to the max for his glory? What's our idol? What's our God? It's time to get serious. It's time to exercise. It's time to be careful what we eat. It's time to get active and get those steps in. What about our sleep? When's the last time you got a good full night's sleep? Are we staying up late scrolling on our phones? Are we, are we cutting back the hour? Are we, are we working so hard on that project or that assignment? And now the next day, what is my capacity to love God with all that I am that day? Physically, I'm less than where I should be. And that's going to have long-term mental effects and emotional effects. Church, to be people of the word, we, we need to fully love God and love others. But here's the good news. There's a God of grace who's going to show us the way and do that work in our hearts. Lord, I just, I lift up this church right now in front of me. I love them so much. I could talk all day about your love, God, and that's not what you called me to do here today. I'm here to share your word. Spirit, you take it further than I can. Because God, you have no limits. God, if there's anyone in here who does not have a personal loving relationship with you. They don't know you as father because they don't know that there's a savior who can take away every sin and shadow on their life. Pray that they would reach out to you in humble faith today. Lord, help us to love you purely and sincerely. Lord, help us to be whole in you. Increase our capacity and understanding, increase our sincerity of love. Help us to love one another. Lord, I pray for Sarasota. These people need you. They need your love. They will not know you unless they hear you speak. Let, you, let your word speak through us, Lord, this week as we live out our faith. May we encounter people who are hurting and need the love of Christ. May we encounter the lonely so we can show them relationship. God, have your way in us. Let us be fully devoted to you and be amazed at what you can do, even through broken us. We love you. And we ask for your help as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.